Hello, welcome to episode 45 of the In Contact podcast. I hope you are all doing well. This month's podcast features our regular guest speaker, Graham Redman of the Anderson Centre, for his topical discussion of the month. Next up, an interview between Syngenta experts Gillian Coleman, Seed Care Marketing Manager, and Jonathan Wrongsley, Seed Care Field Technical Manager, about the usage of Vibrance Duo and an insight into Harvest 2020 barley results. Following that, a discussion with Syngenta expert Max Newbert, Insecticides and Sustainability Field Technical Manager, about the new and improved BYDV Assist app that Syngenta have recently launched. And finally, an interview with guest speaker Jude McCann, the Farming Community Network CEO, about our Harvest Heroes campaign that we're working together on, followed by a discussion on mental and physical health well-being, particularly during the harvest period. To celebrate Harvest 2020, we are hosting our very own Harvest Heroes competition. For a chance to be featured on our social media channels, send us your Harvest Landscape pictures using the link in the description. You'll be in with a chance of winning a treat-filled hamper, plus goodies for runners-up too. Good luck! I hope you enjoy listening. Hello everybody, I'm Graham Redman and I'm from the Anderson Centre. Farming is one of the bedrocks of successful society. It goes back a very long way, further than almost any other kind of societal function. We have a lot of history to carry on our shoulders. Before food production became sufficiently organised to be referred to as agriculture or farming, foragers by definition had to go to wherever the food was. This meant travelling around in a nomadic style Such a lifestyle did not allow the development of comfortable homes or many possessions, as they were difficult to transport 15,000 years ago. Before farming, everybody had more or less the same job, to collect food. There was limited differentiation between childcare, plant foraging and hunting, but this was crude and unsophisticated. No one person or even group of people invented farming. There is evidence of farming practices starting in several parts of the world at the same time in history. But once food could be reliably sourced from the same place every year, through cultivation of land, management of plants, and the control of animals, then settlements emerged. Once you have confidence that you will be able to stay in one place for a while, because the land around you can support your food and energy requirements, you become more interested in improving where you live. If you're not always on the move, you can then collect things as you have somewhere to keep them. Such assets in the early days were largely either tools or weapons. Then the key resources for farming became owned for the first time as well, land and livestock acquired rights of ownership, which had clearly not been part of the forager's lifestyle. This meant that bartering, the most primitive and long-lasting form of trading, emerged out of agriculture. Ownership also engendered greater care. With the rise of settlements and trade came civilization. Collaboration increased with people working for others, usually in exchange for a reward or payment, and the shape of recognisable employer and worker format relationships emerged, which facilitated greater differentiation of labour between people. This led to expertise emerging, 
people who became good at making tools became tool makers and swapped their tools for food. Those better at producing food would do that and swap food for the tools and the same was true of course for clothing and then home builders, traders, road builders, witch doctors and so on. All developing specialist skills because farming could maintain the needs of a settlement. With an increase in the amount and reliability of food, population also increased. And as settlements grew, hierarchies emerged, both within working organisations and also civil arrangements with leaders and followers. Businesses, if you could call them that, 15,000 years ago, became larger and more sophisticated as did the civil leadership with tribal heads, spiritual leaders, and so on. The emergence of agriculture meant the effort required to source food actually increased. Settlers had more work to do than foragers, which effectively just harvested, and farming, which involves preparing and looking after something as well as harvesting it. Other work emerged within the construction and management of the settlements, meaning farmers had to grow food for others too. But the benefits of more reliable food, energy and basic materials it offered the community was a fair trade for the additional effort required. People also realised that with the gathering of wealth, the desire for more motivated people to work harder as well. Not only does this brief account explain how farming is a central pillar in the development of the world we are in and how our industry took a lead in harnessing energy for food and fuel, but it also helps describe the very deep-rooted traditions that are part of today's farming society. Hard work, long hours, the significance of land, often owning it, the independence of the farmer mindset and of course the importance of long-term survival rather than one-year profit maximisation. Much of this very brief account of the emergence of agriculture in the world 15,000 years ago and the opportunities it led to is summarised from a remarkable book by Ian Morris, Foragers, Farmers and Fossil Fuels. It talks of how fossil fuels offered many times more energy per capita than farming ever could and how society and population has grown in response to it. The book then explains how fossil fuels cannot be expected to provide energy for our future for environmental reasons and renewable and nuclear energy must take over. Many contemporary prophets think this decade will provide a turning point for this evolution. If so, then farming once again has to be prepared to supply a key role in its provision. I recognise farming has many of its own problems to solve, including the challenges of farming without greenhouse gas emissions and other environmental challenges we face whilst feeding 7 billion very demanding people. But if it can exist 15,000 years without causing mass starvation from failed crops, and countless fortune tellers and forecasters have been proven wrong about our ability to do that, then our industry has some lessons to teach the world on sustainability. All renewable energy systems require space. Whether wind, solar, anaerobic digestion, hydropower or whatever, 
those with the space will be key holders to societal, societal progress. The farming community will thus continue to provide a key role in the help of society's evolution. Food may not be the sole key energy provided by farming in years to come, but then farming provided fuel for many years, and whilst that offering has not completely disappeared, it could return with greater importance in years to come. I hope the sun shines on your fields and your solar panels this month. In this next segment, Gillian Coleman, the Marketing Manager for Seedcare, talks to Jonathan Wrongsley, Field Technical Manager for Seedcare. So John, um, the past few seasons have brought uh, around extremes of weather. Um, why is it so important that we um, try to mitigate against these? Uh, yeah, you're um, exactly right. The last few seasons we do seem to be seeing these extremes of weather. Um, so you think back a couple of years ago, we had the beast from the east come along. It's very, very cold and wet in the springtime. Crops were really struggling. And then it became very, very hot and hot and hot and droughty that um, summertime. So that season, it was really critical to get really good, strong crop establishment and really good rooting uh, to get a strong, healthy crop that was able to tolerate that um, weather stress. And so if you think the beast from the east, very, very wet and cold, a stronger, healthier plant was able to tolerate that better. And then you needed a really well-rooted plant that was able to scavenge for moisture and nutrients better because when it, when it um, became very, very droughty, obviously you needed that extra rooting to be able to tolerate those um, conditions. And similarly for this season, we've seen very, very, very similar. So the autumn time, obviously, is very, very wet. There was a lot of flooding. Um, crops, it was difficult to establish them. And then in the springtime, we had a lot of droughty weather again. So again, it's important to build a um, resilient crop. And Vibrant Duo can really help from, from this point of view. So um, we, we know with Vibrant Duo, you get really good, strong crop establishment. It optimizes a number of plants established. Uh, you get a healthy, vigorous crop. And it also stimulates rooting as well. So you get extra rooting, which can obviously help if the weather turns droughty from better scavenging for that moisture and for that moisture and nutrients. Well, that sounds really helpful. Um, so what about seed and soilborne diseases? Because they're the ones that present the first risk at the beginning of the year. What, um, what can growers do around that? Yeah, so um, Vibrance Duo, um, we do see these rooting and establishment benefits, but it's primary job is to control seed and soil borne diseases and it's critical to control for these so in winter wheat microdochium and and um, and um, fusarium are key diseases to control for um, they can uh, affect plant establishment so it's critical to control for these uh, so what i would recommend first is that you make sure especially if you farm saving your seed, that you have it tested so you know which um, diseases are present on your seed. And then using a really good quality seed, seed dressing is very important. So Vibrant Duo is a really strong technical product for disease, for, um, for, um, disease control and you'll get that great establishment and rooting benefit as well. 
Oh, sounds like a, a bit of an all-round product. Are there timings when it's best to use it? So from our trials, uh, from a, from a um, technical point of view, it's a great product for your seed and soil-borne diseases. So you, we, we would recommend using it in, in all, in all um, positions, pretty much. But we know from the, from the season, which was a beast from the east season, followed by the droughty weather, we did a lot of trials that um, season. And we knew that in specific situations, it's a really, really big benefit. So that better crop establishment's really helpful if you if 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 you're you're uh, you're um, delaying delaying drilling. So if you're um, delaying drilling because uh, you want to help for blackgrass control, or if you're delaying drilling uh, for aphid avoidance, or you're simply following a later harvested crop, you're drilling into a wetter, colder seabed, there's more stress about, uh, it's harder for the crop to establish. So then if you're using vibrance, vibrance duo, it really does give the crop, crop, crop a boost and, um, improves the establishment. So it's really good in that delayed drill situation. It's really good in a light land situation as well. Because of that better rooting, if it turns droughty, then um, that, 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 that extra rooting is able to tolerate the drought conditions better. And we also saw in a second wheat situation as well that Vibrance Duos does a really good job as well. So um, it doesn't have any take-all fungicidal activity. So if you're drilling earlier and you're worried about take-all, we would recommend partnering Vibrance Duo with Latitude which we know is a very, very safe combination um, compared to some other single purpose dressings partnered with Latitude that aren't quite so safe. Um, and then if you're drilling a bit later, uh, potentially that's a way of mitigating for, for take-all anyway. But if you're still wor worried about, 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 about take-all, we would recommend Vibrance Duo with Latitude. But in these lower risk situations, um, the extra routing and the better establishment with vibrance duos may be able to tolerate the um, the um, conditions better anyway. And um, we've got quite a lot of trials data that shows that vibrance duo is very, very good in a second week situation. Oh, great. Um, there's going to be a lot of growers drilling early though this year. What what can they do? Yeah, so like, like, like I say, we've got a lot of trials data that shows that vibrance duo is good in in all in all positions um we've got a lot of data that shows if you're drilling earlier that vibrance duo is an excellent benefit still um so it optimizes your crop establishment still you can see it coming through the ground quicker and you still get this really good rooting benefit so especially if it turns droughty then it's an excellent benefit and i think essentially that can give yourself a stronger health healthier crop is um, going to be a really good benefit. So yeah, if you're looking to drill earlier for this season, which is under which is understandable given the horrendous autumn we had last season, um, vibrance vibrance duo is a good option whether you're drilling earlier or whether you're you're um, you're um, you're um, delaying drilling. So what about yields for those, John? So we know we get a really good yield. Um, um, response with um, vibrance duo compared to other single purpose dressings, but the uh, but it but it does depend on the situation. So generally, the bigger the stress on 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 the crop, whether that be 
um, because you're delaying drilling or because it turns droughty, for example. Gen gen generally, the bigger the stress, the bigger the difference you pull out with vibrant duo versus other dressings. Um, so we know that generally, if you average out across our trials, we've done a lot of trials work, um, you're getting about point, point, point 0.3 of a tonne per hectare average yield 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 response great um, and and the, it's now registered in barley i see um wh what can you tell us about that uh, yes so now it's re it's registered into barley which is great um we see very similar benefits in barley to the benefits we see in wheat so we see the better crop establishment and we see the rooting benefit and obviously it's primary role its fundamental role is to give good disease control as well so in terms of the label um, we've got claims for microdochium and leaf stripe um, the only the only key barley disease we, we we don't have a label claim for is is for loose smut so we do recommend partnering vibrance duo with a loose smut active partner Okay, um, and then the question that everyone's uh, wanted to know the answer to, um, do you have yield data for the barley yet? Uh, yes, so we do. It's, uh, looking, it's, it's looking good. So, so this season, it's obviously been quite challenging uh, with, with, with the wet conditions and then uh, the, droughty, the droughty conditions during the spring. So we've seen really good crop establishment and rooting benefits with the Vibrance Duo partnered with a loose, with a um, loose, more active partner um, compared to standards such as Rax or Star. And that has um, um, translated into yield as well. So if you average across the trials that have been harvested so far, um, we're getting about 0.2 of a tonne per, per hectare increase in yield over Rax or Star. And can you use Vibrich Geo malting barley? Uh, so, we're just waiting for Camden approval at the minute. Uh, so, um, um, unfortunately, it it's been it been uh, been um, delayed because of the coronavirus situation. Um, so, we won't we won't recommend using vibrant duo and winter malting barley for this autumn. But but we are we are we are hopeful that we should get the Camden approval through ready for spring barley. So you'll have to wait for for a um, announcement for that and and there's one other thing to um note to um to um to a note on our vibrance duo label there's a stipulation on it that says that you cannot treat seed with vibrance duo that's being grown as a as a um, seed crop for certified seed uh, so it's just something to, to um, bear in mind that you cannot use vibrance 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 duo on a on a um, on a um, on a um, seed on a um, seed seed crop that's being grown for certified seed. Great, thanks, John. So, Vibrant uh, Sure looks like a, um, a really useful product for a lot of growers because um, it's got strong disease control, um, improving the establishment and rooting in both the wheat and the barley, um, and leading to better yields in both. So, thanks very much. That's okay. It's good to chat it through. I recently caught up with Max Newbert, Technical Manager for Insecticides and Sustainability, to give us an insight into the new and improved BYDV Assist app that Syngenta have recently launched. So Max, can you give me some background to BYDV and what to expect this season? 
Yeah, so I think many might expect not to have that much BYDV this season. Uh, if you think about, you know, last season was really the first season we've done growing of cereals without deter um, as a neonicotinoid seed treatment. And it also did such a good job. We haven't really seen that bad BYDV for a long time. But to keep in mind, last season we had very poor weather. There was a lot of like, drilling. And that poor weather also perturbed aphid buildup in the crops. Really, I think this season with how much has to go in, uh, some of the land needs to be prepped quite heavily because of how poor it has been through the season. There's the inclination to go early, especially going off the last season, which means crops are going to be at risk. And we know from last season's aphid testing that we had up to 40% of aphids carrying BYDV uh, last season, really all the way into November. So there's a lot of BYDV in the aphids. And this year, 2020, has been a particularly a high aphid year. And if that continues into autumn, we have those very warm autumn winter times there's a potential we have a very high level of BYDV again without having that seed treatment. So really I think going forward for this year you have to be uh, on top of it and prepare especially if you're doing that early drilling of those susceptible plants especially the barley's notes are going to be more susceptible than wheat so I think this season we can see a high high pressure. And with this um, you've said that uh, growers need to stay on top of it. What way can they mitigate the effects of BYDV? Well, most of it will be cultural controls, really. So it's removing the green bridge nice and early um, so that you're not having monocots previously into the field you're going to cereals, which would harbour not only the aphids but potentially have infection of BYDV in themselves. And this would mean very early on infection in the crop when they're most susceptible. The earlier a plant is infected, the more impact the virus will have. So that's one of the very easy ways of, of preparing for it and then there's time of drilling as well I know there will be a lot of early drilling but if you can plant mid-October onwards that really avoids the major peak of aphids it also gives you a short amount of time that um, crop is exposed through the autumn to aphids building up from the initial primary infection coming in and then the aphids building up to those secondary uh, infection spreads of the virus which is more damaging to the crop um, however the work we've done this year does show that Barley's particularly heavily drop off in their yields when you start planting into mid-October. So it's not a uh, coverall scenario, as well as obviously the workload spreading as well. And then it, it, it's simple things. If you're planting early, one of the things you can do is just increase your seed rating if you're in a high pressure area. And what this does, if you have primary infection, which is those single aphids coming and landing on plants, infecting them with a high seed count and a high plant population, it means that the surrounding plants are very close to it and can tiller in and move into that space of the dwarf plant, which gives you better crop overall, a higher yield, it's more able to compensate, and also you won't get other problems such as weeds or a patchy crop. So that's another very easy one. And on top of that, you can add this year, we've got vibrant stew not only on wheat, but on feed barleys. We haven't got approval for molting it on vibrant stew. And that's a seed treatment, although not an insecticidal seed treatment, adds vigor. Um, and we've seen around 10% plant count increases in fields that have used it, especially in compromised conditions. So again, that's effectively likely increasing your seed rate. So that's an option for a more resilient crop. And then this season, we also have varieties that are resistant or uh, tolerant to BYDV. These aren't re extreme resistances, so you can still get infected and propagate the virus, but the impact on them is lower. So if you've got specific fields that are very high pressure areas, so they're next wood, woodland, that is, has a prevailing wind going from that into the lay of a hill, which will be very difficult to get control of BYDV through the seasons and with um, foliar applications, that could be a good option in those very 
particular scenarios where you know it's going to be difficult to get on top of. And then after that, it, it, it then it falls to, down to the chemical. So it's about knowing where, what type of infection your crop is susceptible to. Is it primary or secondary? And then using the best product possible. So from our standpoint, we know Lambda, so Halifrin is one of the most potent products, and then Hallmark's the best formulation for that. And that will give you extremely good knockdown. And you have to think of that when you have BYDB because if infection takes place, you can't undo that infection. So you need to get on top of it early and control it. And to aid with timings, we've obviously got um, the BYDB Assist app, which has been updated for this season, to aid in those timings for secondary spread events. Could you be able to tell me a bit more about the BYDB Assist app? And are there any improvements ready for this autumn? So the BYDV Assist app, as I said, is that it's, it, it predicts secondary spread of uh, serial aphids um, on the 170 day degree model. And it allows users to input all their fields and all you have to do is put your, the location in uh, as well as the date of germination. This would be first plant that germinates in the field and it will start calculating based on your daily temperatures with a four kilometer accurate weather model. When that T-170 will occur, indicating after that point you're susceptible those aphids if they've come in at that point will spread into those larger colonies indicating you should be checking your crops for them we've put in an early warning at 145 to say go look at the crop you're coming towards a threshold so that you know it acts as a scouting app to remind you of what fields might be set for when and then once you do an application it will reset the graph to zero for a week saying for one week your pyrophoroid application will give control after that there could be recolonization, so to keep track of it. So this is uh, not for primary infection. Um, so if crops are low or you know plant count or susceptible or very early, so you might want to think of you know checking fields for primary infection separately. But this is very good for high plant counts, wheats that are being drilled slightly later potentially. The improvements we've done this year on the app is obviously there's been a lot of bug fixes and making the UI a little bit more intuitive for the users. Uh, but the big change is now you can log in. Uh, and what this gives you is the ability to edit fields um, and change them how you want. And it then also means you can swap between devices and still hold the data. You know, you won't lose any information. And then on top of this, we've introduced an update, which means that because you can log in, you'll get emailed the thresholds on top of the uh, phone notifications. So it's more easy to understand when you're going to have those thresholds at different um, fields that you can put into the app. And aside from the app, then, is there anything else to help growers keep track of BYDV pressure this autumn? So there's uh, obviously, Rothenstead has their suction trap information from around the country, which they're still doing. Um, so that's some a resource you can look into. AHDB News, AFID News, um, a lot of the time uh, collects that information, sends out bulletins. But then obviously from ourselves, we're also... Again, like last year, we're going to be doing our aphid catches from around 13 sites around the UK. Um, and that information on what we're finding and when can be found on www.syngenta.co.uk forward slash BYDV dash assist. And not only will we be doing hopefully the aphid traps, we're going to be testing for virus levels as well. It's a, it's a bit of a, a, a moot point on that fact because you're going to assume that all aphids have virus because even if only one to five percent have them it's enough to cause an impact but it, it gives you an idea of pressure and it does show the fact that it is still an issue even though we've had many years of seed treatments and we've been keeping populations down 
the virus is still being very active in wild monocots and obviously that's where a lot of the aphids are proliferating outside of crops anyway. Syngenta, FCN and Farmwell are working together over the harvest period to raise awareness um, of the hard work that growers and agronomists put in, particularly around this time of year when harvest is in full swing and farmers are working longer and hard hours. Across our social channels, we are sharing content around mental and physical well-being awareness. We want to send a message to those who are struggling to tell them it's okay to communicate with someone and to want to get help. I'm joined by Jude McCann, the CEO of the Farming Community Network, to discuss mental health awareness within the industry and the importance of looking after yourself both mentally and physically in the lead up to and during harvest. So Jude, do you want to start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and the Farming Community Network? Good morning, Emma, and, and thanks for the opportunity to, to discuss this important topic today. Yeah, so my name is Jude McCann. I work with the Farming Community Network. I've been in post for the last six months. And prior to that, I worked with a farm support organization in Northern Ireland for, for seven years. Um, yeah, I've, I've grown up on a family farm in Mid-Ulster, Northern Ireland. Um, so I have uh, personal experiences of the stresses and strains that, that farming life can bring. Um, I'm delighted to be working with, with the Farming Community Network now uh, in England and Wales. Um, FCM was founded uh, 25 years ago, so we're celebrating our 25th year anniversary this year. And it was really um, to support the farming community who was experiencing significant challenges. And then obviously, soon after the charity was formed, the foot and mouth outbreak happened, uh, which caused a huge amount of pressure and stress for many farmers and farming families uh, across the country at that time. I suppose over the years um, since that disease outbreak, there have been various challenges, whether it be weather events, um, and then maybe more recent changes around uh, Brexit and the implications going forward in the coming years. So farmers have a lot to deal with and um, a lot of change happening currently. So I think that's why it's important, uh, especially at this time with so much change happening, to look at the um, mental health awareness and, and the importance of looking after health, both physically and, and mentally at this time. Definitely. So the Farming Community Network offers support for a variety of things, but one thing, um, as you've just mentioned, that affects the industry, and particularly farmers quite significantly, is mental and physical health problems. Can you give me an idea of why you think that the agricultural industry is subject to um, such substantial figures of suicide, um, suicide attempts, mental health problems, physical health issues? Yes, um, it, is, it is unfortunate that the figures are, are very high in, in those issues that you've just mentioned uh, for the farming community. Um, you know, there's a variety of reasons why that might be the case. Uh, I suppose farmers work incredibly long hours. Um, I know there was a survey done a couple of years ago where an average farmers were working 65 hours per week. Um, I know many farmers who, who work more than that, and to be honest, a lot of a lot of farmers don't get any time off the farm. Um, you know, they don't get holidays, mm -hmm. breaks from their business the way other other businesses may have, and um, you know that can take its toll uh, on people who are day in day out and, and not able to to get a, a break from the, the the farming situation that they might be experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, in that survey that I just mentioned. Um, 
45% of farmers felt that they were not in good mental health. This was a survey done by the Farmers Weekly. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, in actual fact, I, I think that's a good thing in the sense that people are recognizing their own mental health issues. Whereas I think if that question had been asked a few years previously, it just wasn't on the radar in, in the public and in society and especially in the farming community the way it is, it is now. So um, I think from a positive point of view, things are changing. I think people are more open about talking about uh, mental health issues, looking after mm -hmm. their own well-being, um, you know, which, which, which is a good, a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Why do you think that it's so important for charities like yourself to be um, present to support individuals and to raise awareness um, of the mental and physical health problems that are taking place? Yeah, I just think it's important for everyone to, to start mm -hmm. to consider our own health and well-being. Um, you know, I mentioned there in the last question about working long hours. You know, there yes. is there is a link between working long hours. Um, mental health issues and, and risk of farm accidents as well, which is something that I think it, we, we often uh, overlook. Um, so yeah, I think it's just important that we start start these conversations. Um, I remember asking a farmer uh, recently what he thought the greatest asset on his farm was. And, um, you know, he said, oh, it's the stock, it's the machinery. But in actual fact, the greatest asset on any farm is, is the farmer and the, the yeah. farm family and the people around. So, we just need to be looking after ourselves and looking out for each other. Um, yeah. The farming community are always very willing to help each other out. Um, you know, there's a great community spirit in many parts of the country. Um, but unfortunately, farmers are often the ones most reluctant to put their hands up and say, well, actually, I need some help. I need some support. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I want us to, to be talking about these issues so that we encourage people you know, to, to seek help. You know, stress is part of everyday life. Every one of us has mental health. Every one of us experiences stress at different times of, of our lives. But it's when things start to, you know, become stressful and pressure starts to mount, and, and um, you know, we're maybe carrying that for long periods of time, that then it can start to have a negative impact on our well-being. So, mm -hmm. um, from our point of view, the more we talk about it, the more we normalise it, um, the better. Uh, better chance of people seeking help when they need it. Yeah. With that being said then, um, obviously you raise awareness for it. Uh, could you tell me a bit more about the support and advice that you offer um, to those who reach out to you? Um, yeah. yeah, so FCN, the Farming Community Network, is a charitable organisation. Um, mm -hmm. We have a small staff team in uh, West Haddon and Northamptonshire, and then we have um, some regional directors across England and Wales. We help support a wider network of over 400 volunteers across England and Wales. And it's our volunteers that help with our, they help manage our FCN helpline. So they're there to talk to anyone who contacts us. It's completely confidential. Um, and it's open from 7 in the morning to 11 at night every day of the year. So people can contact us through, through the helpline. Um, we also do a lot of work around, you know, going out and speaking to, to groups of farmers, going out and speaking to, to people working in this industry and in this sector to raise awareness of uh, good physical and mental health. And um, that's something that's been received really well by, by the industry in recent years. Um, yeah, I suppose 
tying in with the, the issues around the stress. You know, as I said, it's part of everyday life. We all experience it, but it's when it's over prolonged periods of time, that's when it can be really damaging and uh, time to seek, seek help. So whether that's, you know, speaking to a neighbor or a family member or visiting the GP or contacting one of the farm support organizations like FCM, um, it can be a really good first step in, in helping to address some of these pressures. I've um, briefly mentioned the Harvest Heroes campaign that we are running alongside um, FCN throughout Harvest. And one significant aspect of this campaign is to really focus on the community that come together during this particular time of year as the workload increases. Um, you've mentioned that farmers are reluctant to coming forward and um, telling people that they do have um, mental health um, issues and that they're feeling low. What do you think that the community, whether that be family, friends, um, their colleagues, neighbours, could do if they know someone who is displaying signs of mental health and physical health problems? Firstly, um, I think it's, it's fantastic that Sajanta is, um, is celebrating this Harvest Heroes campaign. I think it's a brilliant idea and uh, I really do welcome that. As far as uh, supporting people that you're maybe concerned about, um, you know, I think we need to just ask. We need to ask again, check in with people. How, how are they doing? Um, I know it's sort of a common phrase in the farming community, how's it going or are you all right? Um, mm -hmm. As an everyday greeting. But if you are concerned about somebody, don't be afraid to ask, you know, a bit more in-depth questions. You know, you don't see yourself recently, how are things going? You know, ask those sorts of questions that will create an opportunity for somebody, hopefully, to open up to you. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're really concerned about someone um, who's going through a challenging time, I think one of the best things you can do is, is give them your time, listen to them, and uh, provide that support. And people really do appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't all have the answers. Um, so it's about knowing what support there is in your own community. Um, it's about knowing where to go to, to ask, to seek help. And uh, one of the things I would say is, you know, don't, don't try and diagnose the problem or the issue if you're worried about somebody and, and try not to be judgmental. Um, you know, try to, try to uh, create that help-seeking behavior or, or create an opportunity for people to access that help as much mm -hmm. as possible. And, you know, you may not be able to make that progress in the first conversation or chat, but, you know, don't be afraid to come back a day or two later and say, you know, I've been thinking about what, what you said the other day. Um, I'd like to talk to you a bit more about that. Is there anything I can do to help or can we get somebody to, to help you? Yeah, definitely. And as much as the, the community and family and friends can help, it's still um, really important for the individual themselves to to want to, to seek help and to, to talk about it. Um, what do you recommend someone who is currently going through a tough time um, and who feels ready to um, speak about mm -hmm. their problems can do in order to get help? Yeah, so I think the first thing is about keeping that communication open. And, you know, farmers, sometimes, sometimes we don't want to burden anyone else with their problems or concerns or worries. But in actual fact, you know, our families, our friends, that they're all there to support us, and it's it's better to share share the the, the load with, with people around you who do who do care and who do want to help. 
um, you know, there is a lot of help out there, whether it be practical help or, you know, financial support, or even just that lesson in the year. And what I, what I would say to, to folk is, you know, if you do want to speak to someone in your own family or your own community, that's where the likes of FCM can really help because you can pick up the phone, you can speak to somebody in complete confidence. Um, you know, our volunteers are fantastic. They will, they will give people the time that they need to talk. Um, and they will try and identify, you know, appropriate places for support. Um, mm -hmm. All our FCM volunteers would have a really good knowledge of what help and support there is in their own local community. So, so not only do our volunteers provide support over the phone and through our helpline, we also have volunteers across the country who go out and visit people in their own homes, sit mm -hmm. around the kitchen table and, and have a chat about the issues that people are experiencing. And I know community really do appreciate that um, us being able to, to do that outreach work and provide that support uh, in a confidential way and another thing is you know there, there's no shame in, in asking for help you know in actual fact it's a strength to be able to, to say that I need some help here you know and whether that's pick up a phone to a friend or a neighbor or one of the farm support organizations uh, like the farming community network you know we're there we're here to listen we're here to provide support and, and there is that practical help available as well. And for those who perhaps aren't ready yet to, to speak to someone or um, they may think that they, they don't need to, can you recommend other ways that they can look after themselves? Any self-care tips and advice um, for both mental and physical health? I think one thing that I would say, Emma, is, you know, Try not to worry or stress about the things that we have no control over. So, you know, things like the weather and, um, you know, the outcomes of Brexit. Personally, we, you know, we, we don't have really have, have much control over some of those things. So try and focus on the things that you, you can have an influence on. Um, it might be, you know, it might seem like small things, but even, even doing the, you know, focusing up on those things that you can make a significant change on can, can bring about a lot of benefit. Um, you know, if, if there's too much on your plate or, um, you know, think about how, how you might be able to share, share the load, whether it be get, getting some help in, um, asking a neighbour or a friend to, to help out uh, is, is always a good first step. Um, you know, in the farming community, we do look out for each other. People do watch out for their neighbours and I would encourage people to continue continue doing that and check it in and making sure that people are people are doing okay. Um, Farmwell, uh, you mentioned at the opening of this, so this is an initiative that FCM um, developed last, towards the end of last year. So Farmwell is a, is a really good resource and it's a wealth of information online where people can get information on, you know, on their own uh, farm business uh, resilience, uh, also around personal resilience and then where to go to for support. So I would just encourage people, have a look at our Farmwell website. Um, there's, there's fantastic information there and we're seeing more and more people coming to that for, mm -hmm. for, for information. Uh, we also were approached then by the Welsh Government to help develop a, a Welsh version of Farmwell. So it's there in English and Welsh for anyone who, who needs to uh, find out where to go to, to 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 get that support. So finally, where can people go to reach out to the farming community network? 
Yeah, so, you know, our, our helpline telephone number that I mentioned is 03000 111 Um So, yeah, feel free to give us a call or, or even if you're concerned about somebody else in your family or in your community and you want to talk it through with someone, you know, we're, we're here to listen, listen to, to you as well. Um, so, yeah, that's mm -hmm. through our helpline. Uh, check out the, the Farming Community Network website. Um, very useful information there. And if you want to get in touch or support us in any way, um, all the information is available there. Farmwell, I mentioned, uh, is an excellent resource. And it's, you know, it's a real mm -hmm. good information hub. And um, the last one I'd just say is, is um, FCM, we're part of the, the Farming Health Partnership. So it's a partnership of uh, national charities uh, across the UK. So that includes RAVI, uh, which operate in England and Wales, RSABI in Scotland, and also Forage Aid and the Addington Fund. So together, you know, we, we're a partnership of farming health organisations, and we all have various ways that we can support the farming community. So again, I would encourage people to check out what each of the farming health organisations do and how they could potentially support you or support somebody that you're concerned about in the farming community. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time um, to speak to me today. Um, people can visit our Instagram and Twitter at Syngenta Crops UK where we are sharing content um, regarding the harvest campaign and working with FCN. Thank you for listening to episode 45 of the In Contact podcast. To get involved in the conversation, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Syngenta Crops UK or simply leave a comment below. Until next time.